We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Hut, 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 hut. This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming, as we are going to break down the latest of the Chicago Bears as preseason week three is finally here. And right before you know it, we'll be into week one of the regular season. Aaron, how you doing, my man? I am good, man. We got one more preseason game, a little bit of a And it's funny because I know, obviously, with three preseason games this year, and then the you know the seventeen game regular season things that kind of got you know mismatched a little bit because usually you know you have that last preseason game on a Thursday and then you know you basically have the weekend I think it's Saturday is when roster decisions have to be in and then you have Sunday is the waiver wire and then Monday rolls around and you're you're prepping for week one and this year it's going to be a little different because the Bears don't play until Saturday they don't play until late Saturday and then you know all the decisions and the, but there's like a Basically, from start to finish, there's there's a 15-day gap from their last preseason game until week one. So it's going to be a little interesting to kind of see how it's all going to go. But, you know, it, it's it's definitely – I don't know about you, and I'm, I'm glad there's only three preseason games because I'm about done with the preseason outside of watching Justin Fields. It's just not very competitive football, and I'm just ready for boring. things that actually matter. It's so boring out there, man. It's like – Oh, it just watch like I tried to watch another game. I think I was watching the Saints Jaguars, and I just want to see how Trevor Lawrence looked. Man, that game was bo- like, even though there was like some exciting plays, it was just boring to watch. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I can't wait to get the regular season started, and the Bears pretty much, you know, wrapping up camp at least to fans today they'll have one more practice on thursday and then next week uh the media is allowed there you know for practices as they start preparation for week one but we got to talk about something today aaron um because there was a quote today that's kind of making news and it came from head coach matt Nagy, and this is pretty much a couple days um after he essentially, you know, quote unquote, named Andy Dalton the week one starter, um, he, he began his week by saying that, you know, Justin Fields is going to start against Tennessee 
but it's not because, you know, he's going to be the week one starter. Um, it's because Andy Dalton's not playing because Andy Dalton's going to be the week one starter. No surprise here. You and I should not be surprised. This has been their plan the entire time. You've said it. I've said it multiple times as well. This was not a true quarterback competition. And that it is what it is. We can't really change that at this point. Um, I'm sure we'll see Justin Fields at some point, potentially maybe even week one if things go really bad early. But the quote I want to talk about, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, is essentially Matt Nagy was asked today, Wednesday, August 25th, what he's seen that makes him think his offense is going to be better. And when Matt Nagy got here in 2018, the offense kind of got off to a nice start. Um, but the final eight games, we can't ignore that they they were not very good offensively going into those the playoffs. Since then, it's pretty much been a nightmare. You know, they've gotten worse um, in those previous two years with everything. Offensive line play, they struggled to run the football. And the biggest thing has been the inconsistent quarterback play. Now, today, when he answered that question, he pretty much said, you know, when I talked to you guys when I first got here, we I said this is going to be a process. This will be a two to three to four year thing before this offense can finally get rolling. And now that they're at these this four years, he likes how they've been practicing so far um, in training camp, and he likes what he's seen in that practice. And he thinks that they are re- now ready to essentially graduate from three hundred three and go into 404 and be perfectly fine. This offense is going to look like it's supposed to look like, and it's going to be the Eagles and it's going to be the chiefs. That's not the case, man. That quote was something that I looked at and multiple beat reporters said it, multiple fans, but it's like, what the heck is he talking about? Yeah. I, I legitimately laughed out loud when I heard him say, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, if 101 was year one and you've taken more like, and keep in mind, like the offense was like slightly below league average that year. Like, so you, you go from 101 where things are slightly below league average. Okay. That's fine. I mean, their offense was pretty bad the last few years before that, especially under John Fox. And then you take two steps backwards and all of a sudden this is the year that's all going to click. And it's just, it's asinine. I, I you know, it's, I mean, here's the reality. I mean, even watching the preseason games, how many false starts do we continue to see? How many holding penalties do we continue to see? Details, man. Yeah, it's it's all within the details. And it's like, if after three plus years going into year four, if your consistent guys are still making these penalties, then maybe it's you and it's not them. And we talked about this, man. We've beat the drum on this about how Matt Nagy is just not a good play caller. He finally gives it up. They find some success. Let's, you know, to put it in the context, they play some really bad defenses, but at least they found some success. But even in the moment, I, f- I feel like we both, and I think a lot of people kind of noticed, like as it got closer to the playoffs, things kind of started getting, you know, looking the same again. And it's like, you know, at that point, you're kind of thinking, okay, Andy, you know, Andy, Andy Reed, uh, Matt Nagy is obviously taking play calling back. And then you get in the off season. And, you know, the, the one thing that is driving me up a wall, one thing that is just, I'm so sick of hearing it is we got to find out the whys, man. No, you don't. You are the why. You are the problem in this situation. Like you are the constant in this entire situation. You know, obviously the quarterback, you know, you got to have better play there. But again, like if you really want to get into it, it's like if you're talking about, you know, wanting the best chance to win, blah, 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 then 
you know, what are we really doing here with the quarterback situation? So, it, again, we're, we're not going to beat the drum. I've got on my soapbox about it on Twitter already. You know, it is what it is. We've all accepted Andy Dalton's going to be the week one starter. But it's just hilarious to me how Matt Nagy can sit there and say, you know, it takes two to three years to really get this off. No, it doesn't. This is not a complicated offense. It's not as complicated as you want to make it out to be. You're crazy detail-oriented. The reality of it is Andy Reid's made it work. Doug Peterson's made it work. Matt Nagy has not made it work. We're going into year four. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Yes, the the quarterback play has to be noted here, but again – Let's let's just be honest. I mean, let's just let's just be completely honest with the fact that the majority of the offense has been a complete disaster. Andy Dalton, granted, it's been preseason. The offense has hardly moved the ball. It took him till his fifth drive of the preseason to get a first down. I mean, Andy Dalton has one touchdown, and well, he played seven drives and he played two. So one touchdown and nine drives the entire time. The starting quarterback, the quote unquote starting quarterback, has been in the game, but yet the offense has figured out. I mean, that's just. But again, this is this is just who Matt Nagy is. He, I'm sure he's a nice dude, but in terms of being the offensive play caller, the offensive coordinator, whatever the hell you want to call it at this point, he's just not it. And I think we're going to see it very early on. Even if Justin Fields is in the game, there's still going to be points where we're looking at like, what in the heck is going on? Well, and that's my thing, man. Like, you look back, they had to scale this offense back for Mitch Trubisky. Like, that wasn't that long ago that they had to do that. And I agree, like the quarterback play is part of it. It did not work with Mitch Trubisky. You had to scale back the offense a little bit so he could understand it better and kind of play to his strengths, except they really didn't do much of that. And then with Nick Foles, it was just a complete mess. And you even heard Nick Foles say before, you know, calling out Matt Nagy, essentially, like this is not working. This is not going to work. Um, I believe Anthony Miller had another quote about it last year as well. It's if you're at 404 and this thing's supposed to take four years to be perfect, the Bears better be scoring 36 points per game this year. Like, that's the bottom line. You better be scoring 36 points per game. You better be winning a lot of games if you believe in your defense as well. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, it's odd because the, the comment was just, I don't know what he was actually thinking. And then he talks about having the veteran quarterback to come in and run the offense. Well, yeah, you have Andy Dalton, but what has he shown you in the preseason? Like you said, it took him to, what, drive five to get a first down. Literally, to get a first down. I, I understand if you've let a score a, a field goal or if you've let a drive down into opponent's territory and it stalls. Whatever. Okay, you can live with that. Nothing has shown anyone that's close to the Bears or nothing should have that, that like, this offense is ready to go. It's not. And there's problems on the offensive line. Um, I, I think, you know, I do think Matt Nagy is not a good play caller. I don't know how much stock we can put into preseason play calling just because I think a lot of it's very vanilla. Um, but it's also a concern. And it's just, to me, it's like, why not play with, to your strengths? Why not get the quarterback that can move the pocket, that can escape pressure, that can keep plays alive with his feet, out there, especially if you said this is the fourth year, because Andy Dalton's not been in here for four years. Justin Fields hasn't been here for four years. So if it's really, what has Andy Dalton shown you? And, and for me, it's nothing. Um, and the other thing, you know, like how many skill position players have actually been here since Matt Nagy's been here? It's been Allen Robinson, Drake Cohen, David Montgomery came in 2019. Okay. Darnell Mooney was last year. Marquise Goodwin was this year. Like Cole Komet last year, Jimmy Graham last year, 
I just like the comment was just really like, it was odd to me. And I don't know now, you know, I was optimistic going into the summer. I thought potentially that the bears could surprise some people. I've almost flipped, man. My meter is going the complete opposite direction. And it's now going more towards five to six wins this year. Cause I'm just not confident of what I've seen in preseason games or what I've seen in training camp. Um, and, and I think it's going to take Justin Fields starting right away for that to change. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With Andy Dalton is just bad. I mean, there's just all there is to it. I mean, this it feels and it's funny because we talked about it moving into the preseason. How you when you're evaluating the you know the when Justin Fields is going to be ready and all that stuff, you know, focus on Justin Fields and not what Andy Dalton's doing. Well, here's the thing: Justin Fields has had his faults because he is a rookie. But it's undeniable that when he steps into the game, I don't care what competition it's against because, okay, he may be playing against second and third team guys, but at the same same exact time, he's also playing with second and third team guys. So, you know, you can't have one side of the argument without having the other in this situation. But the reality of it is, is that Justin Fields steps into the game and all of a sudden the offense starts moving the ball. The offense is more electric. They start scoring points. And again, you know, it is preseason. It is what it is. But it's just, you know, it's at a point right now where, you know, continuing to play Andy Dalton, you know, and, and that was the other thing that kind of bothered me is, you know, Matt Nagy was asked on Monday, you know, so, you know, is it, what do you, you know, what's your plan for week one and, you know, blah, blah, blah is Andy Dalton still going to be the week one starter? And he said, you know, he basically said like, we need to see Andy Dalton in regular season and see what we have. Well, that's insane considering you've sold us on this thought this entire time that Andy Dalton's established veteran that knows the offense, that has the offense mastered, the details mastered, and you know exactly what you have in him. And all of a sudden you're basically saying that, no, we don't know what we have in him and we need to figure it out. We need to give him the opportunity to actually, you know, essentially keep the job. I wouldn't say win the job because he was handed the job, but to keep the job. And it's just, to me, regardless of what their job status is between Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, I think it's bad business for them to start a lesser player at any position. And we've seen it happen before, and we're seeing it happen again. Uh, and again, it, it, it is what it is, but it's just kind of one of those things where, yeah, you look at, again, the preseason you can only take so much from, right? And obviously there's no real scheming going on. But even you look at the defense side of the ball, the, the Bears starting defense, which has been about half their starting defense, which is also worth keeping in mind, they're not tackling. 
you know, the, the coverage is like Jalen Johnson has looked pretty good to me, but you know, you look at Kendall Vildor, you look at Duke Shelley, you look at some of these other, you know, quote unquote starters, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson's tackling, like what the hell, man? Like this is the kind of stuff where, okay, it is the preseason, but at the same time, like this is the kind of time to get things, you know, all the kinks worked out and all the details figured out. And frankly, this last week, they didn't look like they wanted to be out there. They didn't even look like they knew a game. Like they were told, you know, they, they were going to have a game that day. It was like they were told, you know, an hour or two beforehand, like, hey, just heads up. You guys got a game here in two hours. And, you know, they just kind of trotted out on the field. And they're like, all right, let's get through this. Like that's the kind of stuff where, again, you can't take much from the preseason. But I think there are some things like that where you at least have to look at it and be somewhat concerned moving into the season. Because according to Football Outsiders, And this is not just going off of strength of schedule last year. According to Football Outsiders, the Bears have the strongest strength of schedule and the toughest schedule overall in the league this year. So, you know, people could say, well, you know, they were eight and eight last year, better quarterback play. They should be better this year. But at the same time, they also won a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have won last year. So they also had quite a much easier schedule than what is projected to be right now. So, again, it's it's one of those situations where, and I felt this way the entire time, really all preseason has done is confirm my feelings. The fact that I just don't think the bears are a very good team. I think they're in a transitional year. I think the future is still bright, assuming that Justin Fields is who we think he is, but I just, the, the expectations for moving into the 2021 regular season are not very high for me right now. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that everybody listening to this podcast and, you know, sees what I tweet and what I write and you can throw it back in my face at the end of the year. If the bears, you know, go 10 and seven or, you know, 11 and six and, or win the division and make the playoffs and whatever else. I just, I think the cap for this team is probably about nine wins. If everything goes absolutely right, maybe they sneak in as a seven seed. But again, I mean, even that it's like they, even in a weaker NFC, I just don't think the bears really stack up that well against the rest of the league. Because again, I think this is more of a transitional and evaluation year for them to figure out exactly what they have moving forward, because they're still not going to have a lot of resources next year. And they need to figure out what they have, what they they can keep who they need to resign and move forward. But in terms of the overall outlook for 2021, again, for me, I know it's a little bit different for you, but for me, this is just really the preseason and just how things have played out have confirmed more of how I felt about the roster than made me worried. Like this is just how I feel about the bears. I think they're about a seven or eight win team, uh, you know, assuming things don't go horribly wrong. Yeah. You know, I'm with you now. I I just, I don't think, you know, they're in a good spot right now. I don't think there is a, a path to being a good team unless it's with Justin Fields. And like you said, I hope I'm wrong too. Like I, I just don't see it right now because I can't trust what Matt Nagy is going to do right now, especially with the play calling. There's been nothing over the past two years that have shown us anything that he's going down the right road um, in terms of turning this thing around. And today's comments were just kind of like, out there like what the heck is going on um and it comes just a couple days after they go with Andy Dalton who has not really been impressive here in the preseason Aaron uh more about Justin Fields though let's get into our interview we brought on Brett Coleman of the film room on YouTube he does great film breakdowns um of NFL players he does teams he breaks down schemes all that stuff on his YouTube channel he's a great follow on Twitter he's done a couple bears uh videos recently you know Tevin Jenkins he's done a couple on Justin Fields he's always a great guest on our podcast and enjoy this interview we'll be right back to talk about what's to come for the Chicago Bears in the coming weeks 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is Brett Coleman of the Film Room on YouTube. He does some very good uh, Film Room stuff on the NFL, multiple teams, and he's done a couple good ones here on the Chicago Bears lately. Brett, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Um, so it's kind of been a while since last time we talked. I think you were on our show like a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, and a lot has changed. And the biggest thing is Justin Fields. And anyone that follows you on Twitter, you've kind of uh, not become a newer Bears fan, but I feel like you kind of adopted them as your new team. Um, did you think at any point in this offseason they were going to get a quarterback talent like Justin Fields, or was this kind of just like a dream scenario? Well, I mean, they started the offseason at, what was it, 20, I think, in the draft is yep. where they were at. Um, and I knew that Justin Fields, I mean, at that point, was a pipe dream. I had him as my QB2 in this class. I thought there was a legitimate chance he could have gone number two to the Jets. That's where I mocked him in my final mock draft, even after it came out that they were going to take Wilson. Because I was like, look, I, I want it on record that I think he should be a top two pick. Um, and I, I thought like at best, the only chance they were going to get at a quarterback was Mac Jones. And even then that was, that was kind of dicey because Mac Jones, as we know now was a top 15 pick. So I, I was kind of staring down the barrel of a, okay, this is going to be an Andy Dalton season. Everything is going to go horribly wrong. Pace is going to get fired. Nagy's going to get fired, tear down, rebuild a couple bad years. Maybe we'll see what quarterbacks are coming out in a couple of years. That's what I was looking at. And then all of a sudden, Justin Fields starts falling, both in the media and in the actual draft. Denver inexplicably passed on him at nine. I mean, the only reason I can think is maybe they thought they were going to get Aaron Rodgers in a trade. You know, they took a corner. uh, Dallas got out. uh, The Giants decided to trade. Dave Gettleman decided to trade a first-round pick for the first time ever. Like, all of these different things came together that absolutely should not have happened for the bears to get Justin Fields. And I think he's been as advertised so far. And I think the bears are, I mean, unspeakably lucky that this is even a scenario that we get to talk about today. Well, I'm kind of curious to get your perspective here because, you know, and you kind of pointed it out, you know, it was one of those things where I think a lot of people had Justin Fields as quarterback two going into the season and then all of a sudden, I mean, he's the one fighting for the Big Ten to actually, you know, have a season. They get into the season. Zach Wilson rises up. That happens. You know, it is what it is. So it's like at worst, he should have been QB3, at least in my opinion. Uh, you know, and it, I had him as a 2A and 2B with Zach Wilson. I actually really like Zach Wilson, and I've really liked what he's done so far with the Jets. Again, it's just preseason. But from your perspective, what the heck happened? Because, it, like you said, it, it went from one of those situations where you're like, this guy's going to be a surefire top two, top three pick to, you know, looking at the Bears at 20, thinking there's no way in hell that they're going to have any chance at this guy. Then all of a sudden you get the draft night and everything building up to it and you're watching him fall. It's just from your perspective and your theory, what what the heck happened? What do you think happened? Well, again, I I, I don't know for sure. 
but I'm pretty sure I know where the uh, the rumors of his I don't even want to call it personality flaws or work ethic or whatever that bullshit was that was coming out. It's not real, by the way. Like I I had heard nothing but positive coming out of Ohio State, at least from people that I know there. That it, it, complete opposite warrior mentality wants to be great phenomenal leader locker room loves him um you know he's it's he's a really uh really good person to have in your locker room and as the leader of the franchise i have a general idea of where the rumors to the contrary were coming from and they're not exactly not exactly a reputable source i'll just say that and i think some people kind of bought it that uh that maybe should have considered uh, what's the word alternate sources, like say the Ohio state coaching staff <laughs> that were telling you the exact opposite. And uh, I think a lot of people just kind of bought into this narrative that he's, that he just wasn't the right guy mentally to be a franchise quarterback. And I, I think, you know, everything that we've seen with the bears so far, it tells you like, nah, he's, he's that dude. He's that locker room leader. He's that, that warrior, the guy that'll take a shot to the ribs against Clemson and go get a shot at Toradol and then come back and start throwing touchdowns again. And like, he wants it. He's a competitor. You know, he's not a, a last in first out kind of guy. And again, this was to the bears benefit. Like some people just bought that narrative that probably shouldn't have. And next thing you know, he's a Chicago bear. Yeah. And you know, you, you had that film breakdown of fields. Um, I, I believe you released it mid July and I've watched it a couple of times now. And, and I thought something that was really interesting that kind of fits what's going on. Um, you know, right now with the bears going with Andy Dalton and what we've seen in the preseason is essentially those second phase plays and a guy like Andy Dalton, you know, a veteran out there, he's not fast. He's not mobile. We've seen it, seen that in the preseason. Justin Fields, on the other hand, he is fast, he's mobile, he can keep plays alive, and with what's going on with this Bears offensive line, it kind of seems obvious that Fields is the is the right choice. Can you kind of talk a little bit about those second phase plays and, you know, even last year, how bad Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles were and how good Justin Fields can be? Yeah, I mean, you, you would think it would be obvious of, hey, mobile quarterback – is better to survive behind a bad offensive line. Like you would think that people would look at what happened in Houston, you know, which is a very similar situation of like veteran quarterback, Tom Savage. He's the starter. He's the starter. He's the starter trade up to, I think it was 12 where they got to Sean from an early playoffs. Cause they were, I think actually Houston ironically was also picking at 20 and then traded up to 12 to get to Sean bears were at 20 traded up to 11. Cause they realized like, Hey, we're not going to get it done with Brock Osweiler. we got a good roster. we got a good defense, but it's not going to happen without that kind of quarterback. Um, and I, I think it's some, somehow people are kind of ignoring the lessons of Houston who did not have a good offensive line, similarly bad to what the bears are now. Savage was getting absolutely killed by the Jaguars in the first half of week one of that season could not move, could not get out of pressure. They bring in Deshaun in the second half, and all of a sudden the offense starts to look competent again. I truly think the same thing's going to happen here. Andy's going to go up against the Rams in the first half, get absolutely slaughtered, and then Justin Fields is going to trot out for quarter number three. The offense is going to look better, and he's going to take over from there on. Like I, I know he's not going to start week one as much as I want him to, but I'm pretty sure he's going to finish week one. 
Well, and you kind of had the unique perspective that, you know, a lot of Bears fans obviously don't have in, in, in the sense that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you 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 were or still are a Texans fan. Is that is that correct? Uh, regrettably. You know, it, it, I, I, I rooted for teams where my dad lived when I was growing up. He lived in Houston, and then he lived over in the Loop um, in Chicago. And so, you know, I, it was, I was sitting pretty. You know, I had two franchises where nobody could ever accuse me of being a bandwagoner. Uh, <laughs> Because I, I had the the Texans in the AFC, I had the Bears in the NFC, and unfortunately, ever ever since Bob McNair passed away with the Texans, the franchise, uh, their leadership situation has not been ideal, and uh, the people running that organization probably should not be running that organization. And I just got sick and tired of throwing my money at them, throwing my support at them, you know. And I was like, I'm I'm just not. I, I, everything that I loved about the team is gone. JJ's gone, Hopkins gone, whatever the hell's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, that's a mess. Um, you know, Andre Johnson wants nothing to do with the franchise. Arian Foster wants nothing to do with the franchise. Dwayne Brown, the list goes on and on. Like none, none of the people that built my fandom for the Texans have anything to do with the Texans anymore. So I'm like, why, why am I giving them my time and money and passion when, you know, I, at least the Bears are trying to get better? I mean, my God. Uh, you know, and that's fair. So, because I feel like you have somewhat of a unique perspective, right? Because all Bears fans really have at this point is, you know, for kind of a, you know, groundwork level type situation where, you know, they saw Trubisky and Glenn play out, right? They, they really haven't, outside of that, they really haven't seen, you know, this team draft a quarterback high, develop a quarterback high in quite some time. So I'm kind of, Kind of curious from your perspective, because the, the the narrative this week has been, you know, after the field start, and granted, it wasn't a great start. I don't think it was nearly as bad as what some people are saying, and I think a lot of people looked at the box score and just kind of assumed. But there's been all of a sudden this weird narrative formed that Justin Fields is clearly not ready to start week one, you know, and Lance, you know, Trey Lance is ready to start and, you know, Mac Jones is ready to start. And it's like, I'm looking at it from a perspective of, I've watched all five of these rookie quarterbacks, you know, all five of the first round rookie quarterbacks uh, in its entirety, you know, games one and two this season. And so far I've actually thought all five of them have been pretty decently impressive. I think you can actually make an argument that Trevor Lawrence has probably been the least impressive of the five. And I think part of that has to do with just what he has around him, kind of like Justin Fields. But from your perspective, watching what happened with Deshaun Watson back in 2017, his rookie year, and watching things play out with the Bears right now, like you said, there's some similarities there. Do you think that he's ready to start week one? One, and not just because he's better than Andy Dalton, but is he truly ready to start? And two, what exactly, especially in this day and age, what makes a rookie quarterback, quote unquote, ready to start? Because there's always going to be rookie mistakes. You're not going to come in as a polished quarterback right out of the gate. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, from your perspective with watching what the Texans have done uh, with with just overall what you've seen from these quarterbacks over the last few years where you've done a lot more film study on these guys than you know, most most random fans from just one fan base. So what is your perspective on fields ready to start week one and what makes a quarterback ready to start week one? So I've learned a lot of lessons on this over the years, you know, I, I missed on Mahomes. I, I missed on Justin Herbert. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a couple, right. But I've, I've got a couple really terribly wrong. And the, the common denominator that I've seen with the young quarterbacks that have come into the league, whether they were quote unquote ready or not, the ones that had success had 
three things. One, unbelievable physical talent where they can just use their God-given gifts to get out of bad situations. Uh, number two, they had to be coachable. You know, they had to be somebody with a good attitude, good work ethic that is willing to learn, uh, that is willing to put ego aside and know that the NFL is a completely different game than college and that they need to put in the work to be uh, an NFL quarterback. Uh, you know, some guys that I advocated for in college to come into the league and didn't have that kind of work ethic and almost immediately flamed out. Uh, and number three is they need to have no fear. They're going to get hit. They're going to throw picks. Th the pockets are going to be bad. They need to have no fear of NFL speed, of all the crazy stuff that they do coverage-wise in the NFL. You look at what Kansas City does, all of the rotations, all of the wild stuff that they were throwing at Trey Lance. Yeah, they almost baited him into a couple picks, but he never had any fear. That's why I know Trey Lance is going to work. And Justin Fields, I think, checks all of those boxes where extremely coachable, extremely physically talented, but more importantly, despite being behind a really bad offensive line and throwing the number twos and number threes, have you ever seen a single snap of Justin Fields this preseason where he thought he looked scared of NFL speed? It's the exact opposite. He looks like, yeah, okay, I got this. I'm, I'm fine. I, I know exactly what's happening out there on the field. I'm going to miss some windows here and there, but he's never looked nervous or skittish or like the game was was too much for him and I, I think that's why I, I want him to start and want him to get out there because I just want to start the clock I want to get him as many reps as possible because he's the kind of guy who's talented and coachable and plays without fear that is gonna get better and the sooner we put him on the field so that he can start that process of getting better the sooner the Bears can be you know a perennial Super Bowl contender like we all want them to be so, so that kind of leads into my next question here. And I don't know if you've heard this yet today, but Matt Nagy met with reporters and I'm, I'm paraphrasing it a little bit. He pretty much said that he likes how the bears have been practicing and training camp. And he thinks that, you know, this offense is not a one, two year thing. It's going to take three to four years. And this is year four. And he thinks that now finally they got all the pieces in this offense together. And he included Andy Dalton, who's spending his first season in this offense what is this offense going to look like? Is there hope for Andy Dalton or Matt or Justin Fields to kind of turn around or is Matt Nagy kind of just in the deep end right now, trying to get himself out? Do you, do you see anything different than what we've seen the past, let's say two years? Cause I thought 2018 was pretty solid, but I think one of Matt Nagy's biggest flaws is, you know, he, he couldn't adjust well in 2019 and 2020. What do you kind of think um, in terms of the offense being better this year? Look, I respect Matt, uh, but that's wrong. Like, so it's a West Coast offense with spread influences. That doesn't take four years to get good. Two, maybe, you know, especially if it's if it's a whole bunch of guys that don't have a lot of West Coast experience, especially the quarterback position. Um, you know, if it's a new offensive line where, you know, maybe the protections are different, but like they're not running any weird stuff in Chicago, like it's West coast concepts mixed with some air raid mixed with some spread. It's not different than what anybody else is doing. And even Justin Fields himself said, yeah, these concepts are the same as what we ran at Ohio state because they are, it's not rocket science. So in terms of him saying, Oh, it takes four years for this offense to get going. No, it takes four years. If you have bad quarterbacks for this offense to get going, 
if you have a good quarterback, it takes probably about eight weeks. That's about it. So by midseason, when Justin Fields is inevitably starting, yeah, his offense is going to start looking pretty good. Okay, so let me ask you this, because I, I mean, I'll be honest, I laughed out loud when I heard him say that this morning, because it's just, it just, it's, it's asinine, like you said. I mean, this is not, this should not be an overly complex offense, and the fact that they're moving into year four, they're still struggling with really basic things, and I mean, simply getting lined up and not having false starts consistently has been a, uh, you know, an issue for them. So what do you think as Matt Nagy is a, a play caller? Because that's been another big thing for Bears fans. And it's been this kind of internal debate is maybe Matt Nagy, the head coach, is a you know pretty solid head coach. But what about Matt Nagy, the play caller? Matt Nagy, the offensive coordinator. Where do you see him kind of slotting in with, you know, assuming Justin Fields is going to be really good, like we're all hoping and thinking he will be. Do you think this changes things for him? Or is, is Matt Nagy just not, is his offense and how he does things just not working? I think Matt Nagy, the offensive designer, is good. Matt Nagy, the play caller, gets way too cute for his own sake because I think of his lack of confidence in what he had at quarterback. I think he was trying to overcompensate with play calling and, and trying to be perfect as a play caller to constantly put his quarterbacks in the best possible situation rather than just understanding that play calling is just as much art as it is science. It's more so about flow. It's more so about feel like you're never going to dial up the perfect thing. You have to trust your quarterback to get you into the perfect thing if they see a look that they like or that they have the physical talent to turn a non-perfect play into a positive game. Like you have to trust your quarterback and I think he calls plays like he doesn't trust his quarterbacks because he hasn't and it, with good reason. You know, he's calling you know Tariq Cohen back in the day, a couple years ago, like he was giving more touches inside the five yard line to Tariq Cohen, the David Montgomery. Like he's just way overthinking it because he's trying to overcompensate for who his quarterbacks were. My hope is that once, once Justin Fields is out there, he's going to realize like, Hey, I have a quarterback that can make me right. I don't need to try so hard. Like I could just call up bootlegs and he'll figure it out. I could just call up Hank and just, let him take the seven yard gain. And if nothing's there, he can take off. I can call up dagger. And I know that, Hey, if that D, if that alerts there, he's going to hit it for a touchdown. But if not, he's just going to step up in the pocket, throw the dagger, get a first down. Like he can just call normal stuff for once because he's going to have Justin Fields out there. That's what I'm looking forward to is again, it goes back to the whole, it takes four years for this offense to you know become something like, no, it doesn't. You just need the right quarterback. Use him. You have him on the roster. Just use him. I agree. And it's been bizarre. And from what I've seen out at practices and everything, you know, Andy Dalton to me hasn't done enough to win the starting job. I clearly think talent wise, Justin Fields is obviously the better quarterback. Um, my final question for you, though, I kind of want to switch over to another player because probably I, I correct me if I'm wrong here. Is this the, the Tevin Jenkins video is probably your most watched or right up there. Um, cause that thing took off on draft night and it's the most violent man. Um, it's called, and it's pretty much a breakdown on Tevin Jenkins. And what I kind of want to know from you is, is there anything specifically that you were watching from him that really stood out to you? Um, 
in his play, like technique or anything like that, that now might be hampered or impacted because he has a back injury and we kind of have no idea when he's going to return. Um, anything that maybe you're worried about now with Jenkins? Uh, not particularly. Um, I guess it depends on how he's doing his physical therapy and his recovery. You know, what's his core strength look like? Because his play style, again, it relies a lot on on having core strength and the ability to anchor, even if somebody gets inside your chest. But he's still got really good hands. He's still got really good feet. Again, it, it just depends on how he's recovering. Supposedly, it's not going to hamper him later on in his career. He's going to come back 100%. I still don't even know what the injury was. I don't, I don't know if we've heard what the exact uh, diagnosis was. Um, but his his play style in particular the only way that it could be impacted is if somehow this injury like just saps his core strength, which I'm not saying it will, but that's the only thing I could think of. The likelihood of that happening, in my opinion, is probably pretty low. But even then, like we, we just got to get him on the field. We got to get him learning. We got to get him reps because at least for, for a guy early in his career, every rep counts right now. And yeah, my final question is just kind of more of an overall outlook. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you follow things close enough to have a pretty good pulse in terms of what to expect for 2021. So, I mean, what are your overall expectations for the team? Uh, we've kind of stayed at ours. I don't think that this is going to be a very good team. I think they are going to be very lucky to win eight games this year. Uh, but where are you at on the spectrum um, in terms of where things are at moving into the season? You know, it's a tough question because it depends on two things. One, when does Justin Fields get out there? And two, does the offensive line get healthy? And uh, right now, we just don't know the answer to either one of those things. Like this could, if we're rolling with Andy Dalton for half the season, for whatever reason, or, you know, a, a banged up offensive line that's wasn't very deep to begin with for most of the season. Yeah, this could be like a seven or eight win team or, or maybe even worse. Uh, it, if God forbid, you know, Akeem gets hurt again or, or Mac gets hurt, the defense falters like, yeah, it could be that kind of year. Um, but if let's say Justin Fields is starting from week two on, you know, the offensive line gels, even with their depth concerns, the defense remains relatively healthy compared to last year. This could be a 10 or 11 win team. So the range is very, very wide. And it just depends on health. It depends on when Fields is starting. And uh, it also kind of depends on just Nagy getting out of the way a little bit. Yeah, and hopefully this offense is uh, ready to click and it doesn't take another four years uh, for everything to turn on. But, Brett, thank you so much for joining us, man. Um, is there anything you want to promote, maybe tease any upcoming videos you have? And, and where can um, everyone follow you on social media as well as your YouTube channel? Well, you can find me on YouTube and Twitter at, at Brett Coleman. That's K-O-L-L-M-A-N-N. -N. I know I have a very German spelling for, for Coleman. <laughs> um, I recently put out another Justin Fields uh, episode kind of talking about, you know, what he did at Ohio State, how he translates to the Bears offense and all that, that if people that are listening to this hadn't seen, they'll probably find, find it pretty interesting. And then I got a video um, on Trey Lance and his preseason coming out uh, later this week, who's uh, another guy that I know Bears fans were watching pretty closely this offseason. So uh, lots to come. Awesome. Appreciate the time again. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. And welcome back, Bears fans. Again, that was Brett Coleman of the Film Room on YouTube. Make sure you check out his work. You can check out those Justin Fields videos he was talking about. Also, the Tim Jenkins one as well. Some really good stuff and some really good insight um, from someone on the outside that's got a national perspective of the NFL and the Bears. Um, and we we kind of hope that you know you learned a little bit from that interview. But Aaron, as we kind of hinted here at the beginning of the podcast, you know these next couple of weeks here leading into Week One are going to be big and things are going to kind of speed up here. The bears are done with open practices to fans on Thursday. They'll be hosting a padded practice before they get ready for the Tennessee Titans in preseason week three. And essentially, you know, this game is going to be Justin Fields to start. We should see him in the first half. I don't think we're going to see any starters. Allen Robinson's probably not going to play. David Montgomery's probably not going to play. I, I doubt Darnell Mooney will play. I could see Chris Godwin, or oh geez, Marquise Goodwin playing. I'm sorry, not Chris Godwin. Uh, Marquise Goodwin playing. Maybe Jimmy Graham. Uh, maybe Cole Komet. I I don't know. But we're gonna see Fields with with some of the first team offensive line. Now Fields will obviously be someone that we're we're gonna watch for obvious reasons. I don't think there's anything in this game he's gonna do that's gonna overtake Andy Dalton. So we might as well just kind of end that there. But this is a game where the Bears. You know, have a couple guys that are you know in roster battles or or battling for spots in that depth chart. Um, you know, on that fifty-three man roster, and specifically, you know, I'm going to be looking at that secondary because looking at that Buffalo Bills game, they were getting torched. Jalen Johnson played well, but everyone behind him essentially was getting torched. I mean, Artie Burns had a somewhat decent game, um, not great, but you know probably better than a lot of the other guys that he was competing with. Um, Kendall Vilder really kind of struggled out there. Duke Shelley, guys like that, Trey Roberson, um, you know, and it's going to be key for some of these guys to kind of step up. And, and right now with Desmond Trufant away from the team for personal reasons, it feels like it's Vilder and Burns kind of fighting for that outside job. And then Duke Shelley, Marquis Christian fighting for that inside job. Those are four guys I'm going to keep an eye on this Saturday in terms of that position battle. Anyone that you're going to kind of keep your eyes on? Well, you know, I'll say this much, man. I don't think Duke Shelley's it. I, I really don't. I, I think at this point in time that the, the Bears might be better off either sliding Kendall Vildor inside because I think he's going to continue to struggle on the outside because he just really lacks the height um, and technique overall, in my opinion. I think he's going to be better off inside. But yeah, I think I mean again the corner corner is a spot where we kind of highlighted moving into the in, into training camp in the preseason where it was like okay you know you got to get some stuff figured out and it's going to be very interesting to see between Burns, Vildor and then you know Trufant whenever he gets back uh, you know to see how that all pans out. But yeah, I think 
I'm going to move over offensively. Um, and, you know, the, the thing I'm kind of curious about is because I think right now in terms of, uh, you know, the, the skill position guys and mainly, you know, pass catchers, I think you got a few interesting battles going on at the, the back end of the roster. I mean, Matt Nagy, and I don't, I know a lot of people didn't really catch this the other day, but Matt Nagy, uh, you know, he's, he's circled in uh, Marquise Goodwin with the quote unquote starters at receiver. I mean, he mentioned Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, and he said Marquise Goodwin. So, I think at this point we can probably safely assume that obviously, you know, he's set in stone. I'd also assume that at this point that Demir bone, Demir bird is set in stone. And then at this point, you almost kind of have to think Daz Newsom would be as well, because you don't really want to, you know, risk cutting him and then somebody else claiming him trying to get him on the practice squad, which means that probably is going to leave one spot at receiver between Javon Wims and Riley Ridley, who have both had terrible preseasons in my opinion, both, you know, offensively and special teams and then, you know, you got a guy in Rodney Adams who's led the Bears in receiving the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, you got John v. Johnson, who, in my opinion, really hasn't been overly impressive, at least in the in two games, had that – I'm going to call it a drop because, I mean, that was a, that was a great pass from Fields. He, you know, he jumps up to get it, makes the catch, gets hit, loses the ball, incomplete. And then um, I guess Chris Lacey, you can kind of circle in there. And I guess the same thing with Isaiah Coulter, although I almost kind of wonder with Coulter if they're going to try to sneak him onto the practice squad and get a better look at him. Um, so that that receiver six spot and then also tight end four. Obviously, Jesse James at this point with his contract and just how much he's been playing, even though there has been injuries, you'd have to assume that he's going to be the third tight end in and probably play a decent amount as the blocking guy and then just kind of another pass catching option because they like to use tight ends but that fourth tight end spot is going to be very interesting to me in terms of is it going to be jp holtz or is it going to be uh jesper horstead i mean both guys have kind of battled injuries both guys really haven't played all that much um if it's me i'm kind of leaning uh holtz just because i think he's a little bit more of a versatile piece that you can kind of stick if you want to stick him a fullback you can stick him a fullback if you want to stick him in the u you can stick him in the u if you want to stick him in the y you can stick him in the y he's kind of one of those guys to me where he brings a little bit more versatility versus a guy like horstead who is still i mean coming out i think he it wasn't harvard i can't remember it was one of the ivy league schools that he came out of but he was a converted receiver so I think that if you're looking for versatility and special teams value, Holtz is going to give you more. But those are kind of two spots that I'm curious about. Not that they're really going to make a huge difference, but I think as a whole, as we've seen from the special teams, especially the coverage units, they've got to get some stuff figured out right now uh, moving into the season because they lost some key pieces. Sherrick McManus isn't there anymore. Uh, Cordero Patterson is there anymore uh there's probably a few other names that i'm forgetting about as well that they really kind of need to get these these last core special teams pieces figured out moving into week one yeah and you know some of the problems that we've seen with this team and you mentioned duke shelley the bears simply didn't address the defensive back position i mean they signed desmond trufant they brought back Artie burns okay after that they flat out ignored it in the draft and it would have been nice to kind of have another young corner to kind of uh be brought in and maybe thrown into the competition well, outside of Thomas Graham, but I mean, Thomas, yeah, I mean, yeah, Thomas Graham. I'm pick. sorry. I yeah. Sorry, but yes. it's a six round pick. I mean, you can't throw a bunch of six round picks out there and, and, and hope they hit. And that's the thing. I mean, there's, you know, they lost Kyle Fuller and they really don't have much. They are banking on a player like Thomas Graham, a player like Kendall Vilder or Duke Shelley to break out early in their careers or someone like Desmond Trufant already burns to have a career, kind of a career resurgence. And then you look at the offensive line, kind of the same thing with tackle um, in Jermaine Effetti and Jason Peters. 
I don't know, man. They're in trouble in a couple key positions, uh, at least in my opinion, going into this regular season. Now the the third preseason game isn't going to tell us a lot about the starters or anything like that. You'll you'll see the defensive back position in terms of starters kind of play out a little. Other than that, though, I mean, pretty much everything's going to be set, and you just kind of have to hope it's glued together and it comes together well. Um, otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. And then after that, as you already mentioned earlier in the show, you know they have cuts coming up on Tuesday, and they have to get down to that fifty-three man roster and establish their practice squad. And it's going to be, you know, maybe a day the Bears look at that uh, other potential cuts to try to fill some of these roster um, problems they have right now, maybe some holes or some voids that they have um, by guys that are released. You know, I don't know. I think it'll be an active day in the NFL. I don't know how active the Bears will essentially be, but I think if there's a target out there that can come in and make sense at defensive back, why not take the chance? Or... You know, there probably won't be any tackles. That's that's going to be the problem. Well, and that's kind of the thing and, you know, something to kind of note, and I guess we can kind of, you know, tie this up just because the next time we do a, you know, we do a podcast, it's going to be after everything happens. So, you know, the Bears had to get down to 80, 80 players and, you know, the next cut down's to 53. And because of the gap and how everything's kind of happened in terms of between the last preseason game and week one this year, uh, there's going to be a bigger gap, which means that basically, uh, you know, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, all roster cuts have to be made. They have to be down to 53, and then the next day they can form their practice squad. So they're going to have a little bit more time to kind of get things figured out. But it's also worth noting in terms of the waiver wire and then the process of how that works. Obviously, if it's a vested veteran, then they don't have to go through the waiver wire. But, uh, you know, if if not, then, you know, if it's anybody else and they do, and that's usually the majority of the cuts that people are fighting for. So, you know, with that being noted, even for is, you know, whatever is the bears have been. And even though they traded up to 11, they're still sitting number 20 on the waiver wire. So if they're targeting, you know, certain people through the waiver wire, this isn't going to be like when Ryan Pace first stepped in where, you know, he's going to have a higher priority on the waiver wire. He's going to be sitting back at 20, which is going to make things even more difficult, um, you know, to kind of, you know, make happen. So it's going to be a very interesting Obviously, right after the game, it's going to be very interesting to see how everything plays out because now, obviously, the cut down period, there the cut down in terms of players isn't 90 anymore; it's 80. So, you know, you got 10 less cuts to make. But at the same time, I'm sure the Bears are probably looking at their roster right now and kind of figuring out, you know, with a minimal amount of cap space, and I'm sure they don't want to do much more maneuvering. You know, what can they make happen? Um, and I, I think at least one note to kind of one name to kind of keep in mind moving forward. Uh, is the the corner that uh that just got kind of naturally now that I mentioned this I'm gonna draw a blank on his name why am I drawing a blank on his name he was the guy with Indy uh Pierre Des- Pierre Desir Desir yeah yeah and he's somebody that again you know the Bears aren't gonna go out and it's this isn't gonna be a Josh sitting type situation where they're gonna be able to go out and find some starting caliber player um or you know some surefire starting caliber player that's still above average I mean they're gonna have to kind of piece things together but I do think that they're gonna try to be active on the waiver wire but it's going to be a little bit different this year because things aren't going to happen on a Saturday and then things are going to be set on a Sunday and then you're going to roll into week one. This year, there's going to be a lot more time in between. So you're going to see a lot of interesting moves, especially from the Bears, because you have it, you know, and again, if anybody's been paying attention to the cutdown periods, teams that know that their players aren't going to be back are putting their guys on IR right now. The thing is, if you put a guy on IR before, 
uh, you set your initial roster, they're gone for the year, or you can release them with a, you know, with an injury designation and they can go sign elsewhere. So the fact that the bears have not put Tevin Jenkins on IR yet tells me that they are expecting, or at least hoping that he's going to be back at some point this year. Uh, and then kind of the same thing with Tariq Cohen with him being on the pup list. If he stays on the pup after the initial rosters are set, he is out for the first six weeks of the season. So it's going to be very interesting to see with these roster crunches and the fact that the bears are going to have to carry three quarterbacks, unless Nick Foles somehow gets traded, how they're going to handle things. I would guess at this point that Tariq Cohen, you know, the fact that he's still not walking normally and they still haven't really put a timeline. I'm going to guess that they're not going to rush things and they're going to say, okay, We'll give him nine weeks. And then after that, you know, he can start, you know, practicing and kind of getting back in the rhythm and maybe he's ready to go by that point. But I think there's going to be a few interesting moves for the bears, uh, you know, coming up where, you know, you're going to kind of have to wait to see how the roster pans out. And just because they keep a guy like Tevin Jenkins on the initial roster, keep in mind again, that they have to keep him on the initial roster and then move him to IR afterwards uh, in order for them, in order for that player to basically come back at some point during the season. And again, IR is only three weeks this year. So that could be a driving force. It's not like you can only designate one or two guys to come off IR and they have to be out for X amount of weeks. It's literally three weeks. It's not, you know, the majority of the season like it used to be. Yeah, and it's going to be a very, very busy day with a lot of interesting uh, decisions for the Bears to make. You know, Matt Nagy did talk about it today. He said they feel good with the 53 that they think they're going to have. There'll be a couple um, tough decisions, but I don't know, man. I've been trying to work out a roster projection, and every time I look at the defensive back and offensive line, you know, I'm just like, oh, man, these are two problems the Bears have and have had all offseason, and I don't feel good about where they're at. But speaking of all that, make sure you check with the Bear Reports um, all throughout the week, right after the preseason game and into the day of cuts. Um, the deadline is Tuesday, I believe, 3 p.m. Chicago time. And then um, we'll have all the coverage of what happens after, if the Bears sign anyone, their practice squad, all that good stuff. Aaron, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at and read your work? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL on Twitter, and you can read my work at thebearreport.com. Yes, and you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Just Bear Report. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Zach Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Read my work on the Bear Report. Please rate, review, subscribe, all major podcasting platforms. We have this podcast and Picks for Pace. And until next week, everyone, please stay safe. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.